This podcast is brought to you by She Society, sharing the perspectives and stories of women Australia-wide. Bonjour, je m'appelle Michelle Beasley and this is my Paris episode of Buzzing About Books. Now, the reason I've been in Paris this time is because I've been to Paris Fashion Week, the haute couture shows. So I was invited again for the spring, summer 2019-20 and I've seen lots of great designers uh, Alan Nakal from Australia, my friend Maria Aristidou from Cyprus, and plenty more. I found some new ones, Katrine Kay from Monaco, and Armine O'Hanion, who is based in Paris, and she does wonderful things with uh, plastic that would otherwise be rubbish, and laser cuts, 3D printing, so some really cool stuff from her. So ostensibly I was here to see the fashion, but I was asked to do a buzzing about books while I was in Paris. Unfortunately, I ran out of time, but I did have time to do a few more literary things there. So that's why I thought I could bring you another episode about books uh, in and around Paris and literature around Paris uh, once I got home. So I am actually in another destination it is the Novotel at Twin Waters, or actually the Siebel on the other side from the Novotel. And yeah, so I'm up here for the weekend and I thought this is a nice quiet place to do a buzzing about books. Now, I was in Paris for eight days and we usually stay in Saint-Germain in our little uh, bolt hole next to Procops. But that wasn't available because the trip was quite last minute. So we thought we'd stay in the first because all of the shows were in Le Grand Hotel, the Intercontinental near Palais Garnier, which is the Opera House. So the Opera House is in the second and we were in the first just 10 minutes walk. So very close to everything, close to Galleries Lafayette, close to... Yes, all the shows, as I said, and a new area for us to explore. Now, we got to our apartment. It was really beautiful. Our travel agents, France at Leisure, had recommended this one, and it was an absolutely new renovated apartment, and you buzzed in at the gate, but, of course, there was a walkway, so you were set back, so it wasn't noisy at all, and, yeah, really books everywhere which I loved and decorated in a really quirky Parisian style but very um, modern and trendy too and as we walked through the gates on one side was a very well-known bar wine bar and restaurant called Juvenile's and we finally managed to get a booking for 9.15 one evening and boy was it worth it Wineless was superb. All of the food was wonderful with little twists. And the chef there does great things with uh, vegetables as well. So sometimes in Paris you'll just get your like magret de canard and some potatoes and sauce. But here everything is treated with the same respect. So a great place to dine in Paris, the Juvenile's Wine Bar. And on the other side was a fromagerie, a cheese shop. So very, very Parisian where we were. And for me, with the fashion stuff, Helmut Lang was showing in a studio in our building. So it seemed like we were destined to be there. 
Now, even going to the shows was quite literary for me because in the Grand Hotel, the room where we saw most of the shows was called the Salon Opera. Now, this was a place where Ernest Hemingway used to bring friends and have soirees, the actress Sarah Bernhardt. So now it's considered a national monument and it's absolutely magnificent. It's like walking into a palace or into Versailles with the chandeliers and statues and murals. Most beautiful room. And, of course, it had lots of very cool pink lights and everything for the fashion show, a white runway, um, very spacious. You could have fit double the people that we had in there. So we were really lucky to have been in such a beautiful and ornate building to see the shows. So that was one little piece of literary history. Now, on the first day that we got there, we... um, checked into a hotel and then the next day we walked down towards the opera area and we'd never been in Palais Garnier, the opera house. We'd always thought you couldn't go in for some reason but we went and did a tour of that and that was magnificent. Little did I know that many, many writers used to come here and do their writing and one of the uh, writers was inspired to write Phantom of the Opera through visiting the Opera Garnier. There's legend that says um, that there was a, a workman working on the Opera House and he was crushed by a chandelier and that he has since haunted the Opera House. So that one was, um, there was a famous crime writer and he thought he would write Phantom of the Opera Um, making a mystery out of things in the opera house or the ghost that that haunted the whole place. I'm just trying to find out his name here. I've forgotten now. I had it a minute ago. Let's see, who is it? It was... Ah, here we go, Gaston LaRue. So he was inspired to write Phantom of the Opera after visiting the Opera House, and I can understand that. It's a magnificent, magnificent building, and he actually inspired Agatha Christie to start writing her mystery novels. So he was famous way before Agatha Christie, and I'd never heard of him. Um, Chagall did the famous ceiling in there, which is really beautiful and still looks so modern to this day. I actually wanted to cry going in there because it was so lovely. Uh, one afternoon we went to meet friends at Pagal, so we got there a little bit early. So we toured around the cemetery at Montmartre and saw the tomb of Alexander Dumas, who you might remember wrote The Three Musketeers. And that was a very moving experience. His tomb has a certain aura around it. So, yes, we didn't take photos of that. It just felt like it probably would have been disrespectful. Uh, Also buried in the Montmartre Cemetery is the 
one of our favourite artists, Degas, and just walking around. It was a very cold, wintry day. We haven't been to Paris in winter for a while. Crows in the trees, the grey skies. So it was actually quite good to have a walk around when there was nobody there. And they mark where the different graves are so that you can go and see the people who are interesting to you. So, yeah, and some of them are works of art. So that was a great day too. And in most Paris cemeteries, you'll find some of your favourite authors, musicians, um, people like that. So that's another good thing to do if you're in Paris. There's a few cemeteries you can go and visit. And after that, we went to a little museum that we've never been before, the Musée de la Vie Romantique's. And that um, was the museum which has Georges Sand's house. Now, it might sound like that's a man, but that was actually the pen name of a French novelist, memoir writer and socialist. So you can tour her house and it shows you how they lived in the Romantic period. So there's artwork, there's a library which has books by people like Victor Hugo, um, there are some of her manuscripts and, and things she used every day. So that was a really beautiful museum. And I'm sure in summer it would be absolutely magnificent. It had a beautiful garden and it also had lots of statues. So I think with the rose garden and statues and even the walkway into the museum, uh, it looked like in summertime it would be covered with blooms. So that was really good as well. So we enjoyed that. Her first novel was Indiana and she wrote mostly pastoral novels, so of her country living because that's where she came from as a girl. Uh, she even wrote articles like literary criticisms and she was a defender of the poor, the working class and really for her time uh, really into women's rights and looking after women. So she sounds like a, a very cool writer to have known. She had lots of affairs and one was with Alfred Lamusset, the writer, and who one of his famous quotes is, he said, tell her that I love her with all my heart, that she's still the most womanly woman I've ever known. And her best known quote is, there's only one happiness in life, to love and be loved. And I think everyone knows that quote. So that was from Georges Sand. And you can go to that beautiful little museum and have a look around um, most days of the year. So we've been there so often that we're down to the like ENF attractions now. We still go back uh, in wintertime. It's much easier to get into places like the Musée d'Orsay. So we go there and see a few of the sections that we haven't been in before, stay in the warm, have lunch in the restaurant, have coffee in the cafe, and that's a lovely day too. But you can go and find lots of smaller museums that you might not have known about and that's one of those so if you're in the um, Moulin Rouge Montmartre area there's a few things to do there. Now last time I spoke about Paris I told you that we'd visited Victor Hugo's house which is on Place de Vogue and it's it's quite dark in there. It mirrors kind of his writing and artwork. There's a lot of his artwork on the walls. He was prolific writer and artist and I mentioned a few, like the Hunchback of Notre Dame and a few of his famous works 
But then Amanda, who writes our Larger Than Life column at She Society, said, you have to talk about Les Mis. And I can't say too much because I haven't seen the movie or the play or read the novel, but I looked it up and, I I mean, I know how well-loved it is, but when he originally wrote it, it was five novels. So it's one of the longest works in in history and he of course is one of the best known authors but when he was bringing it out he his other books he'd done kind of publicity like we do today this one he put a blanket ban on everything he just wanted the critics to read it and then tell people about it so he actually copped a bit of flack for that and people were quite confused because it is all about society and architecture and and a, a bad man who becomes a good man. I think they call it Hydra to the Angel. So it is the um, story of ex-convict Jean Valjean and all of the people around him. And it tells a lot about Parisian life. So I'm not sure if at that time they wanted a mirror held up to their life and their beliefs. So it was quite a controversial book for a while. But of course, we now know it's a classic and a, a well-loved classic. So that's Les Miserables or Les Mis, as most people know it now. So if you haven't read the book, it might be, well, I don't think I'll read it with five volumes, but it might be easier to watch the movie or go to the play, go to the musical. So that's another one of um, Victor Hugo, one of the most influential writers of our time. So he wrote many, many works that we still know today. Now, another thing that we did, I've always, Rue Moftard in the Latin Quarter is one of our favourite streets. My husband used to have a an apartment near there when he worked in Paris, so we're quite familiar with it. And I've always wanted to go to um, La Maison de Verlaine because that's um, named after the poet Verlaine and there's a plaque above the restaurant that says Erning, Ernest Hemingway lived here. So there's a few of them. He lived in a few places around Paris but that's one that's easy to go and see and it's a lovely little restaurant, very traditional French bistro food, great vibe. It's got lots of memorabilia and photos of stars on the walls and I mean it's crammed full of all sorts of things. The waiters are very friendly and funny so it's a really good French experience and it has your, your usuals, French onion soup, Margaret de Canard, chocolate mousse, uh, tartatan, so, and it's very reasonable. You can get like a fixed price menu of three courses for around 20 euros. So that's always fun to do in Paris. So that's an, a recommendation that I can give you for somewhere to eat if you want a bistro and, um, and good French bistro style food. So that was another one ticked off the list. Uh, and on another day, after we'd finished the shows, 
we decided we would go to the Musée de Cluny. Now this has got Roman baths, antique treasures, it even has like some really ornate books from so so long ago covered in ivory and gemstones so that was wonderful to see and they had a unicorn display on which is so trendy at the moment but they actually had it because they have the famous tapestry the lady and the unicorn now I thought it was just one tapestry I didn't look into it much and of course it's the five senses and then one more which they think may represent love and they are enormous you could spend all day looking at all the beautiful scenes on the tapestries there's animals there's the lady there's all sorts of things going on as you can imagine with the five senses so and then they had other unicorn things from around the world and, and famous artworks and, and a history uh, telling that, you know, how people thought the unicorn's horn had magical and mystical healing powers. So it was very sought after back in the day. But now they think it was actually the horn from a narwhal, that sea creature, and they used to sell them for a lot of money. So people really did think that unicorns were real, which we now know that they're mythical creatures. But it was really good to, the French are very good at doing displays like this. So it was good to see some of the stories, they had some videos, they had some more tapestries, more artwork, even big rugs with unicorn horns. So, and showing um, ancient texts where it had been written about. Yeah, just a really good display. So after we went there, we headed across the road. There was a Parisian bookstore. And I love going to bookstores in other countries so that I can try and find some of the covers from Australian authors that I love and see how different the covers are. And I found some from Leanne Moriarty. One was very different. And then the second one, of course, Big Little Lies had um, pictures of Reese Witherspoon and Nicole Kidman so that one was quite funny that it was based on the TV series so it was similar to the TV tie-ins we'd get at home. Uh, Yotam's book Simple and lots of those cooking uh, cookery books were really there was a huge cooking section um, so that was good to browse around and it was about five levels the French bookstore and it has just a small section of English uh, novels so we had a little look at that lots of books about architecture lots of the classics so yes you could have spent hours in there and it seems that many French people do on the weekend because in winter it's nice to be warm and dry inside browsing through some books so that was the first bookstore that we went to then we had a little walk around and we're getting cold so we headed to Bob's Bakery which is near Shakespeare and Co of course I've said before one of my favorite bookstores in the world and many other people's I'm sure so I like Bob's Bakery because I'm gluten-free, dairy-free, so they have vegetarian, vegan options, and they also have almond milk and coconut milk, which is very hard to find in Paris, so I'd been quite sick of getting black coffee, so I got a nice almond milk latte, and that made my day. 
So after that, we went next door to Shakespeare and Co. And I bought a couple of books, The Philosophy of Beards and also Zadie Smith's Feel Free. Now, last time I was in Paris, I got to see Zadie and her husband, the Northern Irish poet uh, Nick Laird, and they did a talk at the front of Shakespeare and Co. So it was really nice to do something uh, literary whilst I was in Paris. And I've actually seen Zadie when she appeared at the Brisbane Writers' Festival. She was um, talking about her book Swing Time. And so this time she was talking about her book of essays, Feel Free. So I went back to Shakespeare and Co and bought a copy of Feel Free so that I could read some of the things she'd been talking about last time. And I've started a few of the essays and they're very good. She writes about the first one that I read was about uh, the demise of the library in her area where she'd grown up and it was a hub for the community and it told her feelings about that and, and what was going on. So it'll be a good one to just delve into every now and again, read a story for before bed. That's what I've been doing and probably help me as a writer of columns as well. So that was last year I saw them and this year I went back and bought the book. Now, a lesser-known bookshop a couple of streets back from Shakespeare & Co. is the Abbey Bookshop. And this is a Canadian bookstore that sells used and uh, new manuscripts. And it is chock-a-block with books, books piled high. There's always people knocking over piles of books, books piled out the front, and it's in a, a national monument itself. So the building has been declared a monument. And if you look at the facade and the door, they're very ornate. So that's another beautiful bookstore and not as well known as Shakespeare and Co. So not as busy. You can actually, well, except for the books, move around in there. So Shakespeare and Co, even in winter, I guess especially in winter when people are wanting to browse and stay in the warm, it's quite hard to get around. You've got to be patient and wait. So at Shakespeare & Co, we went up to the library upstairs and we had a look around in the poetry room. They've extended a bit, I think. There's a new, whole new big children's section. So that's nice. They must have taken over one of the shops next door and, and made, done a bit of a renovation because it, it still had that Shakespeare & Co flavour, but a little bit more this time, so that was nice to see. Now, last time we went there, we also went on a walking tour, and he told us all about literary Paris and the Latin Quarter, and one of the cool things he said was that Sylvia Beach, who opened the original Shakespeare & Co., um, the American guy who'd taken it over and uh, still has it today, his daughter, he called Sylvia Beach, and she still works at Shakespeare & Co. So if you see someone with a badge called Sylvia, might be her. So that's a little fun fact for you. Another fun thing that happened was I went to the counter and said, Bonjour, as you do, and then I started talking in English, saying I'd seen Zadie at the, do the talk last year and that I'd also seen her in Brisbane. And the girl who seemed quite French behind the counter said, Oh, I'm from Sydney. So that was pretty cool as well. It's always nice to meet another Australian when you're out and about in Paris. Don't see them very often 
well, at our uh, earlier in the winter time because of school holidays, but we were school was just going back, so I think a lot of the tourists had gone home again. So most people there were there for the fashion, and oh, that was a really cool thing too. A lot of the bookshops had all the fashion books uh, in displays in their window. So my Dior and Chanel fashion books. The catwalk ones that Paul's bought me, he bought me the Dior one last Christmas and the Chanel one this Christmas. They were all on display as well. So that was pretty good. Now, as we know, Paris is the home to a lot of different literature. And novelists. And another thing that you may not know is that the great American novel, The Great Gatsby, was actually written in the Latin Quarter in Paris. So I guess that's where all the decadence and the ambience comes from. You would think that a great American novel would be written in America, but no, he was living there with a, you know, inspired by all the other authors around him. So that was a... Um, little fact that we learnt when we went on a walking tour as well. So lots of new literary things in Paris, lots of good bookshops that you can go to and don't forget there's a lot of antique bookshops. I've got a few antique books and yeah they're amazing too. Even as you walk along the Seine they have those little um, pop-up shops with the where they open them up. Not so many in winter but yes you can have a browse through the books. So Books and writers are quite revered here in Paris, I've found, and even myself as a writer of fashion articles, people are really respectful of my writing and what I do. So, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing about visiting Paris. Oh, we also visited um, another restaurant in the first arrondissement, and that was based on a movie. Oh, uh, part of a movie was shot there with Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson and my favourite Keanu Reeves. So that was quite good. But food was good, but it was so funny. Instead of the usual bread that they bring you, it, they bought um, a bowl of potato chips. So you could tell that it was a little bit geared toward the tourists. If you want more authentic Parisian food, I can recommend... Uh, Bistro Vivienne which is at the end of one of the passages on Rue Vivienne and we found one on our very last day and it was in the square near the Grand Hotel so when I'd been at the shows one day Paul had been looking around sussing out some areas and there's lots of theatres around this area too so it's called Mon Paris and it's a gastronomic uh, bar and restaurant and amazing and it was even open for Sunday breakfast so that's another good tip as well and we probably had some of the best duck we had in the whole of Paris there. So although I was there to write fashion articles I did sneak in some of my favourite bookish things to do so I've had that's given you a few more tips on what to do literary things in Paris and I'll try and do one one day um, on books that I have at home that are based in Paris or France that you might want to read. I um, bought one in the Abbey bookshop called Rue Tatin and it was a memoir 
interspersed with recipes by a chef and cookbook writer, journalist, and called Susan Loomis. And yeah, I, I whizzed through that one. And she is still, it was about her and her family moving to France and buying a beautiful house in the country to do up and how they fitted in with the French people, taking their child to school, having a family, getting to know their uh, local shopkeepers and people in the market. So yeah, it was a really nice snapshot of life in a village in France. So I think you might like that one too. And after I read that one, I looked her up and she still runs her cookery school. So that, and that was in 2018. So I assume now in 2019, she probably does as well. And she writes a great blog with lots of wonderful French recipes. So Susan Loomis, look out for her. Very cool uh, cookery writer and memoir writer. So that's about all from me for now. I hope you've had your French fix. And all I can say is stay sparkly. Au revoir until next time when I'll be interviewing some of your favourite authors. This podcast is brought to you by She Society. 